0: We welcome those of you worshiping downstairs in our traditional uh, worship space uh, to the message today. We look forward to seeing you later today in the crossroads for coffee and donuts. We're in the midst of this sermon series called Good Enough. It's based on a book by Kate Bowler and Jessica Ritchie out of Duke University. And their premise is this, that in America, we have this obsession with living perfect lives. Having the perfect family, the perfect job, the perfect house, the perfect car, the perfect bank account, the perfect body, the perfect looks. Everything must be perfect, and we post that on our perfect social media post. But we all know that's impossible, right? No one lives a perfect life. We're trying to fake that, and so these authors ask the question, Well, then, if we can't live a perfect life, what's a good enough life look like? What does a good enough life look like? And that's what we've been exploring. And again, glad you're here today to keep going down this rabbit trail and see what we might be able to discover in Scripture about what a good enough life looks like. But I don't know about you, but but this whole thing with inflation lately, my life doesn't feel good enough economically. You know, it's been really stressful with the cost of everything. Excuse me. Since last year, the prices of gas put in our cars gone up 55%. Uh, Rent and mortgages are up about a third, and then staple goods like food and things that we buy at the grocery store are up over double-digit percentage points. On average, we're paying about 8.5% more for the same items as we did last year at this time. Uh, Inflation's pretty much around a 40-year high, and it's just crunching everyone's wallet. How's it going for you in your life? Well, in our family, we're really feeling that crunch and we're trying to figure out ways to save money and all that kind of stuff. And uh, my boys go to a charter school, which means that they don't have school buses. So we take them to school and we pick them up from school. So we're in the car ride line at least two times a day. And when they have like sports stuff after school and sometimes we're driving to the school four times a day, pick them up, take them back, pick them up, take them back, all that kind of stuff. So that's been tough on the gas, right, budget. And so what we started doing uh, is we started a carpool with some other students who live in our neighborhood to go to the same school. And actually, it's been great. So I'll take them in the morning, and then uh, their mom take, picks them up, and my boys up in the afternoons. And that's been wonderful. And it's worked out in many ways. Not only is it saving us gas money, but we're getting to know our neighbors even more. We knew them a little bit. These are these are um, teenage girls, just great young women and uh, sisters, and so we get a chance to spend time with them going to and from school, and it's been, it's been awesome, right? We're, we're growing closer to our neighbors, we're getting to know them better, uh, establishing relationships, which we believe, of course, at our church, that relationships is the most important thing in life. And so it got me kind of to thinking, like, in life, how else could we give up something and take up something that's better? Like, is there something else in our lives that maybe we could do less of and make room for better things that maybe we should be spending our time with? So I wanna think about, as we think about getting a good enough grip on our life, what maybe could we let go of so that we could take up something that might be better for us as we pursue a life to the full in Jesus? Well, I wanna to go to the, to the Bible today, first thing, and we're gonna pick up the story of Jesus where he's just getting ready to start his public ministry. And so he's going away to prepare for this public ministry, and he's going to spend some time in the desert, and he's going, to, he's going to fast. He's not going to eat right? anything for like 40 days and 40 nights, which is crazy. But Jesus is going to do that. And Pastor Lindsay uh, preached about this a few weeks ago, so I'm not going to go too deep into this, but I just want to, I want to kind of skim the surface of this because Jesus, in getting ready to go into his public ministry, he's going to start out by debating the devil. right? He's going to go head-to-head, With the devil. So let's see what Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, teaches us about this. Just a couple of quick verses here. It says that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, like this rocky desert out in Israel, to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I bet he was, don't you? Like, if you didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights, you'd be hungry too, right? So, this concept of fasting. So, Jesus stopped eating right, so that he could focus spiritually on what he was getting ready to do, spend time with God the Father and and, and say, how am I going to get ready for my ministry? What do I need to do? I'm getting ready to go into battle, like a debate battle with the devil and stuff like that. And so Jesus denied himself one thing so he could take something else up, right? He denied himself of eating so that he could spend and make more room for God, spend time and make more room with God, right? It's called fasting. It's a biblical principle that we're going to kind of talk about today. And so You might ask the question, what is fasting? This is what it is. Giving up something for a a period of time to make more room for God. Giving up something for a time to make more room for God. That's what it is in a simple definition. What it's not, it's not a diet. It's not punishment. Oh, woe is me, I gotta give up something for God, right? And it's not always food. Right? We don't just we don't have to just fast from food. We can fast from television or screen time we could fast from cussing we could fast from smoking we could fast from gossiping we, we could fast from eating unhealthy we, i mean there's lots of things that we could give up to make more room for god in our lives right we can give up something to make more room for god in our lives now some of us hear that and it makes us kind of squirm a little bit, right? Maybe some of our only experience with fasting is like what you do before you go to the doctor, right? You have to, you can't eat or drink anything before you go to the doctor because they're going to take a blood test or, or some of us have to fast because we're going to have a major surgery and right, it brings these bad feelings to, to, to the forefront that we've had to fast and that's usually associated with like some kind of medical procedure that we're not super excited about. Or that we have to give up fun stuff that we like. And we just don't want to think about doing that. So for some of us, like it has a negative connotation. We're not quite sure what it is, that sort of thing. But but in our culture right now, giving up things is kind of become pretty popular, right? The minimalist movement, the idea that less is more. That we're tired of all the junk that's in our closets and in our storage garages and our storage sheds and, and uh, places where we rent, like there's mini warehouses, like we're just getting so tired of stuff that we have, we have to insure, we have to take care, of, we have to maintain it, that people are finding joy in getting rid of stuff, right? Fasting, getting rid of stuff, right? And Marie Kondo, right, the queen of decluttering, right, has made a great living out of this and she's helped a lot of people find joy in their life by just getting rid of a lot of stuff that was bogging them down. So there's kind of mixed thinking about fasting. Some of us are a little hesitant about that. Some of us are a little bit excited about that. So what would your experience of fasting be? Maybe it's the first time you've heard about it, and that's okay. Maybe you've tried it. You know, sometimes in our church, we fast during the season of Lent, which is like the six-week period, 40 days before Easter Sunday. And we usually try to give up something to spend more time with God. And, you know, some of us give up coffee or we give up chocolate or uh, people give up red meat, uh, things like that. And instead, they, they spend that time, right, that they would be eating these things, right, reading the Bible, praying to God. Or, or when they're craving those things, then they immediately go and pray, right? What's your experience of fasting? And is it something that you, you've ever explored? Is it new to you? What, what, what do you think about when you hear giving up something to make more room for God in your life. What, is it, what does that look like? What's your experience of that? Well, in the Bible, there's a lot about it, right? In the Old Testament, there were, there were a limited number of like public fasting days where all the people of Israel fasted at the same time. There's one religious festival called the Day of Atonement, which the people of Israel asking God for forgiveness as a nation and they had a time of fasting where everybody in the whole nation was fasting at the same time and seeking God's direction, right? It's a powerful thing. Other times in in Israel's history, like when a national disaster would come, like a huge drought, right? When people were starving because the crops were not coming in, they would fast and ask God for help right, and big national disasters or moments of crisis, right, and and I think about what happened in Buffalo yesterday, right, where an 18-year-old white man drove three and a half hours into a black neighborhood and walked into a supermarket where mostly black people shop, and he started shooting people, live streaming it, absolutely evil, disgusting, right, and he killed 10 people in our nation. Right? And if you're like me, I'm just I'm so tired of, of hearing about this and we get mad about it, we get upset about it, and I come to church and we pray about it, we talk about it. It's like when is enough enough? Right? When as a nation are we gonna say there's enough enough of hating people because of their skin color? Right? When can we realize that God loves all of us? That God made all of us in God's image, whether we're black or white or red or yellow, right? Like Jesus loves me like the song, right? We're all God's children, why do we want to kill each other and hate each other, right? And what would it look like for America to fast right now, to go to God and say, we're sorry for the hatred in our hearts. We're sorry for the violence in our world. We're, we're sorry for the way that we treat each other. And Lord, forgive us and help us, right? I think that's the kind of stuff that the Old Testament talks about with the people of Israel saying, we're tired of all this junk, God, and we can't do it on our own. We need some help. We want to give this up and have more of you in our lives. What would that look like in our lives as Christian Americans today? So Old Testament, that was some of the stuff that went on. In the New Testament, we see like in the book of Acts, it, it seems to to say that there, in, in churches, we're doing some public fasting, like South Park Church might do a fast together, like say this week on Thursday, we'll fast for three hours and we'll pray or something like that. So that was something that was happening in the New Testament church going on. But really, More what happens in fasting, it's less a public thing, it's more of a private thing, and it's usually one-on-one between a person and God, right? The public things are important, but usually in the Bible, it talks more about a one-on-one fast where we spend time with God, giving up something to give God our attention, right? And and, and in in that time of fasting, we would pray, we would read the Bible, uh, we would examine our lives, how is it with me and God, how is it with my soul, we would ask god to help other people in our lives we would just bask in the presence of god and and that's a great reward in itself and so that's a very personal thing between someone and god and it it really is what's happened in our heart are we seeking that experience of god in our lives and in our hearts so we'll go back to the bible and go back to jesus and um, he's going to teach us a little bit about fasting about some good things about it and how sometimes people Can abuse it and do things wrong with that. So let's go back to Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. And it starts off by saying, when you fast, which I think Jesus is, he's talking to his disciples and all the people who were around and and listening to him. When you fast, it's kind of like, it's not if you fast, right? Or will you fast? Jesus assumes that we follow him, We're, we're fasting, right? So when you fast, it's not a, It's not a a mandate. You don't have to fast. It's not prohibited. He's not saying don't fast, but he kind of assumes it, right? When you fast, like when you pray, when you worship, like When you fast, those are three powerful words right there. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. There were some people who were fasting in Jesus' day because they wanted the attention to say, hey, look at me, I'm a super follower of God, right? Pat myself on the back, aren't I awesome? Look at how terrible I look. I must not be eating anything for days, right? So that was going on, right? But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, right? So it doesn't look like you're fasting. It doesn't look like you're in that moment, right? So that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father, your Heavenly Father, who's unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you, right? So in Jesus' day, there were some people trying to be super religious and want everybody to say, hey, look at me. I'm great. I'm following God. Look how great I am, the big sacrifice that I'm making. And Jesus like, you don't get it. That's not what it's about, right? It's not about a public spectacle, right? It- it's about this private relationship between you and me. It's between, you know, your heart. If you, if you want to give up something to spend time with me, it's one-on-one, right? And by the way, the reward isn't people patting you on the back, saying, oh, how great you are, that sort of thing. Your reward is spending time with me, God says, just spending time in the presence of God. That's good enough, right? Finding joy and peace and guidance, right? Praying and reading the scripture and examining our lives and confessing to God and, and repenting and just all that kind of stuff. The reward is spending the time with God, right? So, I want to go back to the book, and they list a couple of things that I think you would maybe classify as an inner reward, um, and they quote Dietrich Bonhoeffer, just a brilliant guy, and he says this, somehow in our giving up, when we fast, we experience discipline and freedom, right? It sounds like a paradox, right? We're disciplining ourselves, but we're also finding freedom. That When we give up something, right, it's liberating, right? We're disciplined, but we find a relief like wow this is great this is a burden off my back and now i have something even better i have god right we're made into disciples more ready and cheerful to accomplish those things which god would have us do right you think about fasting sometimes we're like i don't want to fast because i'm giving up all the good stuff right but it says no we have time with god and that makes us more cheerful and we're more open right if we're seeking god in our lives then we can hear from god and we can find out maybe what god wants us to do and that brings us joy So, so there's Giving up something, we gain these amazing rewards, right? And then the ladies who wrote the book say this, that there's a strange liberation in letting go, right? It's hard for us to let go of things sometimes, especially the stuff that we love, right? But when we do, we find, right, somehow it feels better, right? We're, we're more liberated, like Marie Kondo, right, when she helps those people get rid of all that clutter, right? The, I don't want my stuff to go. With. Oh, I feel better now that it's gone, Then they say this, we loosen our attachment to what weighs us down, and it frees us from behaviors and habits that we would rather not admit out loud. We did a whole series on how we all struggle with addictions in our lives. Some of it's alcohol, some of it's smoking, some of it's gossip, some of it's negative thinking, right? What if we could give up that kind of stuff and instead spend more of our time with God, right? And and be like, wow, this actually feels great. I'm letting go of some stuff that I really need to let go of and adding something great to my life, which is god right so what's the point today what's the takeaway what's jesus teaching us what are we learning in this book i think it's this right we can get a good enough grip on your life by letting go right you want to grip something but you get a good grip on your life by letting something go right we want a good enough life it's not going to be perfect but what does a good enough life look like a good enough light right means that we have to let go of some things we have to let go of some things, some good things, maybe some bad things. We have to let go of some things so we can make more room for God in our lives. So, this week's action step, uh, pretty simple, at least on paper, uh, but it says try fasting from something this week, right? Pick one thing, give it up 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. Just give up something. It can be something you love, something that, that's a bad habit, right? Give up something and spend that time with God and see what happens, right? So whatever you want, five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, what what could that look like in your life to give up something to take up time with God and just give it a try, right? Now, let me say, if you're gonna give up eating uh, in any way, shape, or form, I would encourage you to consult your physician before you do that, right? I don't want you spending 40 days and 40 nights passing now. Pastor Kyle told me to do that. That's not what I'm saying to do, right? So consult your position, right? Be smart in this. We don't want anybody to get hurt, anything like that. Even biblical fasting, people ate. You know, they fasted during the day. They ate at night. They fasted during the day. They drank water during the day, right? So be real careful with this. We don't have to be like Jesus and go 40 days all out, right? So start with something, a little bit of time, and see what you can do, right? As we think about this as an action step for this week. And keep in mind that Jesus, right, he lived this in an example, right? He gave up 40 days and 40 nights, you know, and, and maybe just to kind of give you some ideas. I want to give you some some things. You might want to get your camera out. Uh, this is from Pope Francis, and, and these are some things that we could fast from that maybe you wouldn't think about fasting from, but I think this is some good stuff to consider. Maybe pick one of these, right? Fast from hurting words and say kind words. It's so easy to rip people up and say bad things fast from sadness and be filled with gratitude right things aren't going my way i'm sad it's normal right but what is going my way what can i be grateful for right give up sadness be filled with gratitude fast from anger and be filled with patience fast from pessimism and be filled with hope right our world needs hope right this stuff in shooting in buffalo is very pessimistic right but we still have the hope that jesus is with us right and we can have a better world a better America, right? Fast from worries and trust in God, fast from complaints and contemplate simplicity, right? And then there's another, one more slide. Fast from pressures and be prayerful, fast from bitterness and fill your heart with joy, fast from selfishness and be compassionate to others, fast from grudges, how many of us carrying around some grudges and baggage today and be reconciled and fast from words and be silent so that you can listen. There's a lot of things we can give up that's not food related, right? Food's okay, but these are some things that might help us have a good enough life, right? Because we're seeking God and we're giving up some things that we probably don't want to hang on to. And again, Jesus shows us the example. Not only did he, you know, he fasted for 40 days from food and water, but, you know, when he, he came from heaven to the earth to become a human while staying God, right? He fasted from the kingdom of heaven, right? He left the full glory of heaven to come to the earth, right? He's given up a lot to come here, right? This is a beautiful place. It's awesome. It's also hard, right? And so in Jesus' life, he gave up where everyone's loving him, and he's the best thing that happens in heaven coming to the earth, and he has to experience people who reject him and make fun of him and betray him and disappoint him. And so Jesus gave up a lot to come here. And he didn't just give up heaven. He also gave up his very life, right? He died on a cross, and one of the most heinous ways to die, he was, he was nailed to a cross until he suffocated to death. And he, he fasted from his very own life so that you and I can live life that is full. So that the wrong things that we do can be forgiven. So that our guilt and our shame that we carry around and we sung about this morning, right? We can let that go. And instead, Jesus gives us joy and peace and forgiveness. And he gives us life that is full now, And he gives us life forever in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus gave up everything for you and for me. Jesus gave up everything for you and for me because he thinks that we're worth it. That's pretty special. I want you to feel that today. If you're having a bad week and you don't feel good about yourself, know that the God of the universe gave up everything for you because you're worth it. You're absolutely worth it. Worth it, and isn't Jesus worth us sacrificing five, ten, fifteen minutes of our day for him, sacrificing something that we love, or even sacrificing something that we love that's not good for us? I think he's worth that, and I'm guessing you do too, because if not, you might not be here today or watch today or wherever you are today that that you're wanting to connect with this God who gave up everything for us. He fasted the ultimate way because he thinks that you and I, that we are worth it. So get a good enough grip on your life by letting go of something this week, right? Give up something for a period of time to make more room for God because God is absolutely worth it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for showing us the example of what it means to give up something for something even better. You gave up food, God. You gave up heaven. You gave up your life because you think that, that we are worth it, Lord. And that's just so humbling and powerful. And so, God, as we think about the things that weigh us down in our lives, that prevent us from spending time with you, God, we just ask that you would help us to just be like Jesus, Lord, just a little bit, to give you five more minutes this week or 10 more minutes or 30 more minutes or or even an hour, whatever it is, God, that we give up something to spend more time with you because, God, you think we're worth it, and we know that you are. God, we love you and we praise you in Christ's holy name. Amen.